You know, where I live in downtown Victoria in BC, the opioid crisis, the overdose crisis is something you see all the time. Nearly 10,000 people have died in this province alone since 2016, and it only got worse during the pandemic. So I'm not pro-drug, but I'm definitely pro-solution. So today I move towards one solution that experts, even the Canadian Association of Police Chiefs, has put pressure on governments to, to look at, to re-examine drug laws that they say were intended to minimize harms but have had the opposite effect. So today, a dramatic shift in drug policy in this country. BC will become the first province in the country to decriminalize possession of small amounts of some illicit or so-called hard drugs starting next year after receiving an exemption from Ottawa to federal drug laws. Canadians 18 years and older will be able to possess up to a cumulative 2.5 grams of opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine, and MDMA, or ecstasy, within BC. The province had asked for a four-gram threshold. Police will not confiscate the drugs. This is not legalization. The production, trafficking, and exportation of those drugs will remain illegal. The announcement is in response to a request from this province for an exemption from the law criminalizing drug possession. Here's Federal Mental Health and Addictions Minister Carolyn Bennett today. This time-limited exemption is the first of its kind in Canada, and with it comes great responsibility for the health, safety, and well-being of the people in British Columbia, and a template for other jurisdictions across Canada. Now, as Minister Bennett mentioned, this isn't permanent for now. It isn't legalization again. It will go into effect January 31st, uh, 2023 and last until January 31st, 2026. The change comes six years after this province, BC, declared a public health emergency in response to skyrocketing overdose deaths and an increasingly volatile drug supply, mostly due to fentanyl. Old prevention measures that have been in place for a long time have been called, quote, an abject and very costly failure. Sheila Malcolmson, the BC Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, says the approval is a big step in changing how people view addiction and drug use. Shame and fear keep people from accessing the care that they need. And the fear of being criminalized has led many people to hide their addiction and use drugs alone. And using alone can mean dying alone. 24,626 people died due to opioid toxicity in this country between January 2016 and June 2021. Roughly 40% of those, as I mentioned, occurred during the pandemic. Well, joining me now with more is Leslie McBain. She's co-founder of Mums Stop the Harm. It's an advocacy group for thousands of mums who have lost children to toxic drugs, and it's a pain that she knows as well. Leslie, thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. You know, I know you'd been asking about this or for this for a very long time. Uh, what was your reaction today to this news? It wasn't necessarily what we were expecting. No, it wasn't. It was it was quite a surprise, actually. Um, and my reaction is mixed. It is a step in the right direction. And as uh, Minister Malcolmson said that we just heard, it goes it, I think it will go a fair long way to uh, destigmatizing drug use and people who use drugs. Um, so it's 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 historic. It's it's groundbreaking. Um, so that's that's the good news. Um, the less than good news is the way it was rolled out. And I've been an advocate on this particular file for for quite a while. We have pushed and negotiated around the thresholds or the amount of drugs that people could have on their in their possession uh, if they were uh, stopped by police. So 2.5 grams is what is rolled out today. 
2.5 grams is a very, very small amount for people who are dependent on drugs. So for those people who we we would like to protect and we would like to be safe, uh, 2.5 grams could be even counterproductive. So, so we wish that it had been a higher amount, and we will continue to work towards that. What difference does that 1.5 grams make between the four grams? I don't know whether four is what you were asking for. I believe it's what the province was asking for in BC. Yeah. Uh, what difference would that make? Um, it's yeah, 4.5, not put too fine 4. a point 5. on it, but uh, we were asking for 2.5. And this was even a smaller amount than uh, people who use drugs, those people who we have at the table who know what drug use is and means, um, it was a smaller amount than they, than they wanted. Many people use up to 10 grams a day, and that sounds like a lot, but if a person has been, like I say, a, a drug user for, uh, and dependent on drugs for a long time, uh, that isn't unreasonable. So the difference is only, it's, it's really not going to make that much of a difference. But we wanted to, to go on the higher side just to protect people who, who use drugs. The 2.5 grams is a very, very small amount, and it will, what the net effect will be is that a person who is dependent on drugs will end up having to perhaps go out, if they're going to be within the law, go out several times a day into the black market to access the drugs they need, thus increasing their, um, you know, the possibility of, of getting a bad a bad batch of drug, um, increasing their chances of uh, disastrous overdose. Leslie, I know just from reading up about your organization and about your story, uh, you know what this pain is. Yes. Um, you've spoken to many other moms mm-hmm. out there who've suffered the same thing. What should listeners know about when they think of an, of an overdose death? Mm-hmm. What should they know about the reality of who it is that's died? Yeah, it, it can be anyone, and certainly the mums in our organization are um, honestly mostly sort of middle class working mums, uh, working families, um, predominantly white. And we we this is not by design by any means, but the stig the stigma around people who are indigenous or black or brown is is very high. So we end up with a. a, a I don't know. This isn't quite what you asked, but with a with a organization, our membership be, uh, being that that cohort, um, what we know from from these really thousands of people who have lost loved ones is that it can be anyone, and it is anyone. It's from professionals to tradespeople to high school students to college students. It, it can be anyone, and it takes only one bad hit to bring a person down to a critical overdose or death. So we know that it's anyone. We speak to that fact all the time. Unfortunately, what we see in media often is is those visible folks, the people who are not housed, the people who are, who are on the street, who are using drugs in public. Uh, that is part of, definitely part of, the, part of the issue, but also it's, like I say, it can be anyone. Um, if listeners don't know, your son uh, passed away in 2014. That's right. I believe at, at 25. 
he was 25 and and the situation there was different um it was fentanyl was was beginning to raise its ugly head in terms of the illicit market but uh jordan had been become addicted through a doctor's prescription um and with for oxycodone which is the uh, generic of oxycontin and then our doctor at the time cut him off the drug just cold turkey basically and you can't do that to a person who's addicted to opioids he went into withdrawal and he ended up finding doctors who would prescribe a compendium sort of a pharmaceuticals and and he took he took one of each in a therapeutic amount one evening and and the combination stopped his heart so it was a matter of stigma of of addiction and not not having proper treatment um, so yeah, that was that was that is Jordan's story. Sheila Malcolmson today talked about the use, and I'm sure you hear this from the mums that you speak to as well about the use alone being being the real, the stigma being the problem, and the, and people using by themselves, especially fentanyl, is is really the Russian roulette part of this now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, fentanyl has become really the drug of choice in the absence of very much heroin um, in the illicit marketplace. Fentanyl has become the drug of choice, but even fentanyl has been tainted with um, benzodiazepines, which um, is another class of drugs that doesn't respond to the life-saving naloxone or Narcan um, and other nasty substances that have been cut into it. Um, Fentanyl has also been found in cocaine, in um, ecstasy or MDMA, in methamphetamine, it's it's everywhere, and it's um, it's causing well, it's causing the deaths, and and as I say now, we have the benzodiazepines in there too that complicate everything. So it's it's a nasty uh, it's a nasty place out there for people who who use drugs. Uh, so we really are fighting for a safer, regulated supply of drugs for people who need them. I'm speaking with Leslie McBain. She's the co-founder of Mums Stop the Harm, an advocacy, advocacy group of thousands of mums across the country who've lost children to toxic drugs. We're talking about the decision today uh, by Ottawa to exempt BC, uh, to decriminalize the possession of a small amount of so-called hard drugs. After this, we'll talk a bit more about other solutions that that should be looked at, uh, as well as, as how to respond to what will be the inevitable backlash to this. That's coming up. This half hour, we're talking about the decision today announced by the province of BC and the federal government, uh, whereby BC will become the first province in the country to decriminalize small amounts, 2.5 grams of certain hard drugs, including fentanyl and methamphetamine and H and uh, ecstasy as well, MDMA. Uh, I'm speaking with Leslie McCain. She's the co uh, McBain, rather, the co-founder of Mums Stop the Harm, an advocacy, advocacy group of thousands of mums across the country who've lost children uh, to toxic drugs. Uh, we've been speaking so far just about her reaction, the threshold lower uh, than people had hoped for, at least experts had asked for, uh, and also just part of the solution, no doubt. But a good first step, at least, is that what you were hearing from within your network today, that this is this was a positive sign, or, or, or was it, uh, or is there just so much more to be done to try to curb what is really a, a, an epidemic at this point? Yeah, it, both, actually. It's a really good sign um, that that we have actually had uh, BC has got, got the exemption 56 that we applied for um, to to decriminalize uh, people who possess even those small amounts of drugs is a is a really big step in the right direction and and we are happy for it. There's no question. Uh, there's uh, you know this will 
this in it, in and of itself will not stop the deaths, but as we are talking about, it will reduce the stigma um, of of drug use, and so hopefully, people will use in a safer way if they can carry 2.5 grams. Um, it may or may not make a big difference, but just the very fact that uh, the federal government was able to see its way to, to the exemption is important. I imagine you hear from mums across the country, this only applies to BC for now, uh, and, and just for a limited time, at least for the time being. Uh, were you getting questions today about when, if it might be enacted elsewhere? No, actually, I haven't heard. I've been pretty busy with with uh, talking to folks here in BC, uh, the media in BC, and really and across the country. But um, as often, as you probably know, as BC goes, so goes the rest of the country. And in terms of uh, this, um, the epidemic of toxic drug deaths. So we are very hopeful that even you know conservative uh, provinces like Alberta, for instance, um, ha- will we'll see the way to decriminalization and to other progressive um, policies in the future. So, um, yeah, it's a good step. And um, I think our advocates, you know, and our moms are amazing advocates across the country, and they are petitioning their governments and they are talking about, uh, about you know, changing drug policy all the time. So I think with our... Um, continued pressure with our stories especially i mean we find that's the you know the strongest tool in our toolbox is is our stories of losing our our kids or or partners or other loved ones um that we will you know we and other advocates certainly we're not alone in in advocating for these for these policy changes that we will someday we will prevail but we just have to keep the pressure up uh, this this change notwithstanding, and I'm hoping too that in the three year period that has been declared by Minister Benedict as the as the temporary uh, temporary change will um, continue. I don't I can't see them clawing it back unless something really disastrous happens, but uh, I don't foresee that. So I think this is this will become permanent. Yes, and to your question, yes, it will uh, hopefully roll across roll across the country. Watching the numbers increase, I mean, I've covered, as a reporter, I covered this story a lot back in, when it first, when the public health emergency was declared in BC in 2016. Then during COVID, it just got worse. Uh, it's been a difficult fight, I imagine. Oh, it's, it's, it's been terrible. It's been terrible. I mean, um, I, I speak to individuals, um, you know, not, maybe not daily, but, you know, during a week, many moms who, who have lost kids, especially. Um, and with these increased numbers that we hear the coroner's report every, uh, about six weeks or sometimes eight weeks, depending, um, it's devastating. We, we just, you know, it, it just knocks you back onto your heels to hear, excuse me, to, to hear these numbers and to hear that nothing, no matter what the government is doing, it's getting worse. And um, that uh, brings me back to the point of safer supply. We think that's the only way we are going to uh, stop this increasing number of preventable deaths. So, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do, and I, I just value all our our advocates and all the advocates from other organizations as well for you know in the face of losing their friends and losing their family to keep on fighting. It's it's not easy. 
Well, Leslie McBain, thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, and we'll see where this change, if this change brings about change. I mean, I, I always think the time for talking about what didn't work is over and we just need to look at new solutions. And this might be at least a step in the right direction. Yeah, thank, yes, thank you for saying that. Thanks, Ben, and I appreciate uh, being able to talk with you.